planning and preparing all week, but in my time yesterday, I would just feel constrained to this story, and uh, I want to just uh, go with the flow of the leading of the Lord this morning and go to Second Samuel chapter 9, starting in verse number 1. Amen. I said, now David said, is there still any who is left of the house of Saul that I may show my kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of the Lord whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. Then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. And so the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Mishkar, the son of uh, Emile Mil in Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought out him out of the house of Mishkar from Lodibar, and now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face, prostrate himself, and then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat the bread at my table continually. And then he bowed himself and said, What is it, your servant, that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I, give, I have given to your master's son all that belongs to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. And now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. And then Ziba said unto the king, According to all that the Lord, the king, has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. And as Mephibosheth said to the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all, his, all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. And he was lame in both of his feet. I want to talk to you this morning for just a few moments on the subject, broken but blessed. Broken but blessed. 3,000 years, David was the most powerful ruler over the most powerful nation of the earth. King David was at the very zenith, the very apex of his life. He was finally ruling over the United Kingdom. He had expanded the boundaries of Israel 
from 6,000 square miles to 60,000 square miles. He had never known a political or a military defeat. The economy was running on all eight cylinders. There was not one, uh, not only a chicken in every pot, not just a chariot in every garage, but every vine of grapes was there. The rivers of peace and prosperity literally flooded the land. And now that the battles had been fought, the wars had been won, peace had been established, King David begins to turn his heart toward another matter that he had had on his mind for a very long time. He says to his servant, is there not still one of Jonathan's or the house of, left in the house of Saul? Is there not somebody that I can bless on Jonathan's behalf? I imagine when he asked this question, is there not one left, that his servants, when he spoke those words, said, I knew this day was coming. I knew he was coming to a place where that when he got all of these major battles, he would continue to look for anyone left in Saul's house to destroy them and to take them out. Because the fact of the matter is, is whenever a king would rise up and a new dynasty would take control in the land, it was customary for them to take the entire family out of the previous king. They would exterminate them. The custom was the practice that they always took out everyone in the uh, last person, past leadership's family so that there would never be a revolt. There would never be a revolution against the new king. But when the servants heard what he said after that, must have blown their minds because he was not about to go and see if he could kill somebody else in Saul's lineage. But he said, I, I remember my good friend, Jonathan, and I just want to bless somebody on his behalf. I want to show kindness. I want to show grace. I want to show mercy to John for Jonathan's sake. Amen. The Hebrew word for kindness here is, is one of the most beautiful words in the Old Testament. It literally means mercy. It means loving kindness. Amen. And so he was saying, I want to show mercy. I want to show loving kindness to all of Saul's family. Praise God. Who is it that is left that I might be able to bless? He was, uh, uh, when we see him here, he is saying it's also the New Testament word for grace. Amen. I want to show mercy, but I want to show grace. How many is thankful for the grace of God? Ah, uh, yeah, you act like you ain't. I cannot tell you without any reservation, all of us would be dead up in here today if it were not for the grace of God. Amen. If it weren't for the mercy of God. But you see, he, he wanted to show him that mercy. He wanted to show him that grace. But you see... He was corrupted by his family. We see that Mephibosheth, from his birth, Mephibosheth was an enemy of David. 
because David was the king and no doubt he was told all the stories of how that David and, and his family had come and to rise to power. No doubt he was told how that his grandfather and David would go at it and battle. I don't know if, if Jonathan's ever came up. I don't know how the story went, but I'm sure that there was, uh, there was anger, there was hostility within his heart toward this man, David, because when he looked at David, he seen him as the man that took his grandfather out. He, no doubt, he was told that, that there was, that he was trouble and that he had killed all the rest of your family. And if he ever finds you, Mephibosheth, He's going to take you out as well. He was crippled by a fall. In verse 3, we, it, we see in the story how that Mephibosheth was lame in his feet. In second, on the fourth chapter of Second Samuel, it tells us how he got there. It said, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when he heard about the news about Saul and Jonathan and came from Jezreel. And he, his nurse took him up, he fled, and it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame and so his name was Mephibosheth. Amen. He grew up knowing the pain. He grew up not being able to run and to play like other children. He grew up not knowing how it, what it was like to climb a tree. Life was different for Mephibosheth than it was everyone else. While everyone else was having a good time and having fun, Mephibosheth had time to think about the anger and think about this man that destroyed his family and took his family out. And no doubt that anger and that bitterness would rise up in his heart. He couldn't play, he couldn't run as others, and it was no fault of his own. Amen. The story tells us that it was his nurse that dropped him. Amen. Have you ever been dropped in your life? It hasn't, it wasn't your fault. You didn't do it. Amen. But somebody dropped you and it caused you the hurt. It caused you the pain. You, you, the other person got up and, and kept on with life, but there you are crippled. There you are broken. There you are in the middle of this mess and life causes you to feel as though that you're angry, you're bitter. You don't know what to do with all of this hurt, this pain. And while everybody else is having a good time, there you are. You have been dropped. You have been hurt. You've been broken and nobody to pick you up, nobody to help you. Amen. But I want to tell you that God is a loving God. And he shows us the picture of a David that after the wars and after the battles and after the turmoil, his heart would turn back and say, I remember the relationship that I had with my buddy Jonathan. And I promised him that I would take care of his family. And now he goes and says, is there not anyone in the house of Saul that is still left? And they said, there is one but he's broken. There's one, but he's hurt. There's one, but he's not able to walk. But aren't you glad when you're not able to walk that God will send the Holy Spirit to where you are and he will pick you up and he will carry you out. The Bible says that's what Mephibosheth happened to him that day that David said, go and 
fetch him. That word fetch means to pick one up or cradle in one's arms. You may not be able to walk out of what you're in. You may be hurting. You may be full of pain. But the Holy Spirit can come to where you are. He can pick you up and cradle you in his arms and carry you into the presence and the power of God that your life will be changed forever. Hallelujah. Oh, come on and give him praise up in here today. We are told in verse 4 that he was living in the house of Mishkar. The word Mishkar literally means sold. In other words, he didn't have freedom. He was in slavery. He was in bondage. Amen. He was cursed with the name because his very name, Mephibosheth, means broken in pieces. It's really got two words that make up his name, Mephibosheth. You know it's long enough, so it ought to have two meanings, right? But it has two meanings. It means broken in pieces, but it also means shame. His brokenness has caused him shame. Every time someone would call his name, it would remind him of his brokenness and his shame. Every time that someone would call his name and speak over his life, they were saying, you're full of brokenness and you're full of shame. And there is no way that you're ever going, you might as well just learn to live with it. You might as well deal with it. This is your life. You're full of brokenness and shame. Amen. He was caught in the midst of all of this turmoil. He is named brokenness and shame. And now we see that he is in the middle of a famine. I mean, no, he's got it bad. I said it is bad. He's broken. His life is full of shame. He has been taught to be rejected. He is taught to have a mentality of anger and bitterness. And now in verse 4, it tells us that he's in the middle of a famine. In verse 4, it said that he is in Lodibar. Lodibar means the place of no pasture. The place of no communication. The place of barrenness. Amen. He is out of covenant. He is out of relationship. He has no communication with God. Are you following me? And now all he has in his heart is bitterness. And he has a place where there's no pasture. It speaks of there being no life. There is nothing growing here. And he is in a barren place. It is in this lowly bar of his life. It is in this trash heap, this desert place. Amen. That the Holy Spirit will go and get him. I tell you today that in our lives that we live some of us have been misnamed some have been called by your addiction. Others have been called by what you have gone through and have declared that your life will be a mess forever. But I'm on an assignment of the Holy Spirit today to come to your pit, to come to your sorrow, to come in the midst of your drought and tell you that God has come to lift you up and to bring you out today. Amen. To cause you to understand that yes, you might be hurting. Yes, you may be broken. Yes, you may be in a desert place. Yes, your communication with God may be suffering, but God loves you so much that he sent mercy and grace your way today to pull you up from where you are, set you in a heavenly place, and allow the Holy Spirit to transform you by the power of his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 
Here was this grandson of a king living on the backside of a desert. What is a grandson of a king doing living in a desert? What is the lineage of a king doing living in a dump? But yet that's where he found himself. You see, we may be blessed. We may have had things go our way. But yet we find ourselves in a place where we should not be. You're a child of the king today, but you're hurting. You're the child of a king, but you're broken. You're the child of a king, but you feel shame and and disconnected from God. But I want to tell you today that in that desert place is where the Holy Spirit came and found Mephibosheth. Amen. Here was a prince who should have been living in a palace, but instead he was a pauper living in a pigsty. He was covered by the king's grace, but he didn't know it. I said he was covered by the king's grace, but he didn't know it. He, he was taught to believe like a lot of people are taught to believe today that God's an angry God. God's out to get you. God's a, God's a, like an angry grandfather sitting up there with a big stick and he's hoping you mess up so he can jack you up. That's what religion teaches us. It teaches us that God wants you to fail so he can beat you to death. But I want to tell you, I don't know that God. I said, I don't know that God. I know the God that I know is a loving God. The God that I know sent his only begotten son to die upon a cruel cross so that while I was yet a sinner, he would die for me and give me a hope and a promise that if I would call on his name, I would be changed forever. Amen. That's not the God that we are serving today. That's the God of Hollywood. That's the God of religion. But I want to tell you, we're serving a God today of relationship that really does genuinely care about you. He loves you. Amen. You may not be where you will need to be with God, but he still loves you. Can I tell you today, there is nothing you can do that will cause God to never love you more than he loves you right now. Neither can you do anything to cause him to love you any less that he loves you right now because his love is an everlasting love. His love is an agape love. Amen. He don't love you because of what you've done. He don't love you because of what he can get out of you. He loves you because he created you and you're his child today. If you made a choice to follow him or not, does not matter. He still loves you. He cares for you and he wants you blessed today. He was told the king's out to get you, Mephibosheth. And if he ever finds you, you're done for. You're dead. He hates you. Not knowing that there was a love line connected between his father and him that would cause blessing to come into his life. Verse 7, a justice would have demanded that he die. His family was the enemy of David. But when justice came calling, mercy stood up. Some people say, I, all I want is justice, really? I just want justice, really? 
I don't want justice. I want mercy. I want his grace. Because you see, mercy and grace is not what I deserve, but what I have been given because of what Jesus done for me. Amen. Mercy would have left him as he was, still limping and still in the desert, but living. But grace could not leave him as he was. It demanded, amen, restitution and a turnaround for him to begin to live at the king's table as he should have been doing all along. Amen. And I, I want to tell somebody today, I don't know, uh, but I, I just feel real strong today that, that God has sent us on an assignment this morning to tell somebody that's living below your privileges that it's not what you have done within yourself. It is not what you can merit or what you can accomplish on your own that causes you to receive the blessing of God, but it's his grace and his love. It is his compassion that reaches out to you so that you will know that he loves you, praise God, so that you can understand that it isn't what you have done, but it's what he has done. Amen. And he wants to come. The Holy Spirit wants to come to your loady bar. He wants to come to your place of a mess. He wants to come to your brokenness and your, your place of, of hurt. And he wants to pick you up and he wants to carry you into the king's table. Praise God. Notice that he told us, we've been preaching about uh, how that the restoration, the restitution of all things was to come. He said, this is why when you will know that I'm coming again. How is that? It's not by Israel. It's not by wars and rumors of wars. It's not the state of the economy, but he said that the heavens must retain Jesus until the time of restitution of all things. Amen. Here we see a story of restitution because not only was he restored back to a place at the king's table, but Everything that was taken from him all the way back to his grandfather Saul was restored back to his life. Hallelujah. I tell you today, somebody that's been in Lodibar, someone that's believed the lies of the enemy all of your life, told you you're a nothing, you can do nothing and don't expect anything. But the Holy Spirit has sent us this morning with a word to tell you it's time for restitution in your life. Not only for you to get back what the enemy has stolen from you, but everything that generations passed in your family that the enemy has robbed you of. God said, I'm going to bring you to my table. I'm going to set you down, Mephibosheth, and I'm going to restore everything. Find out how many uh, harvests Saul lost. Find out how many Jonathan would have had. And you bring them in here, and he's not going to have to eat from this. We're going to sell that, right? He's going to be able to live off of that, but he's going to sit here and eat at my table. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, God is calling for us to come to the table of God. He's calling for us today to say, devil, I'm not going to believe your lie any longer. I'm not going to believe that the God is out to hurt me, that God is meaning harm for me, but I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to believe the promise of God that he loves me with an everlasting love, and I'm going to come set it table. Why did he have him set at the table? He had him set at the table so that others 
would not see the shame and the hurt and the brokenness. While he was broken below, he was blessed above. And a lot of us need to remember today that you may not see the whole story of somebody's life. You may not know all the pain and the hurt. And you may not see everything underneath the surface of brokenness. You may only see the blessed. But God called him to the table so that no one would be able to see his brokenness. All they would be able to see is his blessed. And I tell you this morning, you may be broken, but you're still blessed. You may, you may have gone through some things and difficulty in your life, and, and you may feel as though that, God, this isn't fair. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters, life isn't fair. I said life isn't fair. If you're looking for fair, you won't find it in this life. I just thought I'd tell you the truth. Amen? How many know that is the truth? It just isn't fair. But how many know in the midst of things not being fair, you can still be blessed? And that's where Mephibosheth was. It wasn't fair to him. He didn't do anything to cause this to happen in his life. He was being carried by somebody that dropped him, but yet in his brokenness, he was still blessed, but he didn't know it. How many know you can be blessed and not even know it? The blessing of God is upon your life, but you don't understand it, you don't comprehend it, and so therefore you don't tap into it. But let me tell you today, you are blessed. The songwriter sung a long, long time ago through the sunshine and pain, even sorrow and pain, Jesus still is my comfort and guide. And he went on to say, I am blessed, I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. I tell you, it is true. We are blessed even in the midst of our brokenness. I don't know who the Holy Spirit has sent me to today, but he sent me to somebody that's in the midst of your brokenness that wants to remind you that you're still blessed and that God still loves you. And if you'll lean upon him today, lean in on him today, his Holy Spirit will come to where you are, even in the lowly bar of your life, and will carry you and take you into the provision, the power, and the promises of God that he has ordained for you. As Pastor Matt comes, let me just encourage you today, do not fall into what Mephibosheth obviously fell into. And that is the fact of what other people have told you or what you have believed in your own mind, that God doesn't want you blessed. Because I tell you today, he wants you blessed more than you want to be blessed. Amen. Stand with me this morning.